Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Life is complicated, stressful, it's messy. Simplicity just seems to be an empty promise in magazines and marketing schemes. Love is sold like a commodity, surrounded by parodies of community. Our votes divide us, while hate unites us. Everything is rivalry, cutthroat competition, uncontrollable addictions, paranoid loneliness, and magic show religion. Happiness is the new gospel the influencers preach. Life is distilled into highlight reels that are always just out of reach. Politics and empty promises leave us hopelessly confused, angry, and tired, while racism, sexism, and violence dictate our news feed. Were we designed to carry the weight of reality? Should we just keep our eyes closed and keep walking? Who can save us from this mess we made? Is there any hope? There is a story of a man in a tree. He was a king who promised fulfillment and fulfilled his promises. With salvation in his hands and heaven in his eyes, he would calm the crashing waves and bring the dead to life. Eyes were opened, lives awakened. His message, his gospel was simple. You are more sinful than you think and more loved than you know. His holiness contagious, his grace outrageous. To see him was to see the very face of God, but in the end, he was condemned a fraud. Mocked, rejected, canceled. The world wasn't ready for his kind of love. So naked, abused, and nailed to a tree, his last breath felt like heaven's defeat. All of the violence, all of the hate, all of the pain of this world. Was it too much for him? For Jesus? The earth groaned as the sky went dark. Silence. He was gone. Hope was lost. The tomb was sealed with heaven inside. I thought he was supposed to change the tide. Death reveled and darkness celebrated. But before they noticed, the grave began to swell and burst open as light burst through. Darkness gave way and yielded to the name Jesus. He is alive. Yes, he is alive and setting everything right. So don't be afraid. No, don't be discouraged. Behold, he reigns forever. Our King, Jesus. So awesome to be here. Isn't this something? Can we thank uh, the worship team and all the leadership? Just amazing. Just amazing. 
It's so good to be here, and I'll tell you what, I mean, last weekend and all the services, I just encourage people, it's been a difficult two years, uh, one where we've been apart many times from each other, worshiping separately, and I encourage people, you know, make Easter Sunday your first time back, if you haven't been here, and I see people who are here for the first time back, and uh, I want you to know I love you, I just want to say welcome back home. Welcome back home. So good to be here. And what a day, what a moment to celebrate and to acknowledge our risen Lord together in this place. Some of you are new here, and I want to welcome you as well. Uh, online, here in this place, you've never been in this room before. Welcome. It's so good to have you. And I'll tell you what, I don't know all of your stories. I don't know all of you. I don't know where you've been, uh, what you're dealing with now, or how good your life is going. I don't know any of those details, but I do know one thing, at least one thing that we all have in common, is that we all love a comeback story. I mean, Hollywood knows this. That's why they release one film after another of all these comeback stories. They make millions of dollars off of doing this because in our hearts, we all love that comeback story. Well, not so long ago, a guy named Mark Clark reminded me of one comeback story that hasn't been put to film yet, I think partly because it's still being lived out before us. And who am I talking about? Well, his name is Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods was the greatest player who ever played the game of golf until a personal scandal, four back surgeries, the loss of his father, the loss of his sponsors, and the loss of his fans brought him to the point where he was unable to play the very game that had defined his life. Think about that. It seemed as if overnight he had no skill, he had no health, he had no family, and he had no fans. That was bad. And things only got worse for him in 2017 when he was arrested for a DUI due to a high level of pain medications in his system. If you go online today, you can still see his mugshot. And it isn't pretty. That image served as the ultimate picture of what it looks like to, to fall from the heights of success to the rocks of failure below. For Tiger, those rocks felt like death itself. And so it's not surprising when you stop to think about it that virtually every sports news commentator doubted if Tiger would ever win another PGA tournament again. In fact, an article written for Golf Digest, this is just back in 2015, summed it up pretty clearly. And here's the title of the article. Tiger Woods is totally, completely, unequivocally, and utterly done. Quite a statement. And then the author went on to ask, well, is Tiger Woods done? Well, then they answered their own question. Today, I am pleased to report that I have a definitive answer. Yes, Tiger Woods is finished. Tiger Woods being done is a metaphysical truth. There will never be another moment from now until the sun burns up the earth when Tiger Woods will be a golfer again. If there is a golfer in the future who wins 15 majors, he will beat Tiger Woods by exactly one major. Tiger Woods is done. And yet something incredibly strange and surprising happened at the Masters Tournament in 2019. A man named Tiger won his 15th major tournament. Well, some had pronounced him dead. He showed the world he was very much alive. 
And I don't know about you, but there's something inside that story that deeply resonates with all of us. And it's not necessarily because we love the game of golf. And it's not necessarily because we love the name Tiger. It's that, you know, there's something that in us that we want to live out part of that story, but not necessarily all of that story. For example, we all know what it's like to experience a season of, of just a mountaintop season in our lives. We all know what that's like. That's why many times we'll gather, right, for breakfast or dinner with our friends and family, and we'll tell people those stories, those mountaintop experiences. In fact, we might even make them a little bit more powerful than they actually were because they're so powerful to us. We all know what it's like also to make choices that have robbed us and in some cases damaged us. And some here today know the reality of that. It's painful. But here's the thing, not all of us have been able to find our way back, even for a short period of time, yet alone for all time. And friends, this is what Easter is all about. Christianity has something significant to say about your life, what is robbing you from fully living it, and the solution for that problem. You see, we all want to live for more. We all want our lives to count. But friends, we'll never be able to do so if we don't find our life in Jesus Christ. And why do I say this? Well, as we celebrate with Christians all over the world here this morning, those from the Jewish faith, well, they can visit the gravesite for Abraham in Hebron. Those who practice Buddhism can visit his grave in India. And those who practice Islam can visit Muhammad's tomb in Medina. But Christians, where in the world would we go? I mean, where would we travel? I mean, the, the tomb that held Christ's body is empty. And that's why more than any other religion or worldview, Christianity is founded on something that we all need, desperately need, and it's called hope. Hope for today, hope for tomorrow, and hope for all time. And because of Jesus Christ, who is our hope, we can know that this life is not all there is. And that's why he said these words, and I want you to take them in. Take them in. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. He's saying, you know, even though you're going to die a physical death, it, it need not be the end. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. That's called eternal life. And then he asked this question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Well, there are two parts to these verses. First of all, Christ's statement. And secondly, our response to his question. So let's start with Christ's statement first. Let me just say it this way. Christianity could have never survived if it was based only on Christ's teachings, as powerful as they are, or if it was based only on Christ's death, as selfless as it was. You see, the hope of Christianity hinges upon the very belief that Jesus both died and he rose again. In fact, if someone stumbled upon his remains tucked away in some cave in Israel, well, the whole thing would be over. One popular author said it this way. Does this relate to you? Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Unfortunately, I think many people live their lives like Christ, like Christianity is of moderate importance. But let's take this just a little bit deeper, because the Apostle Paul did. 
He wrote about this. He said, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. So if he didn't rise from the dead, you're wasting your time. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. And I want you to consider something here for a moment. Paul was not always a Christian. In fact, a good share of his life, he spent hunting Christians down, trying to put them in jail, and, and in some cases taking part of their deaths, all because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and his life would never be the same. In fact, you could argue that we are gathered here today largely because of the tenacity of the Apostle Paul. A man who gave of his life, who faced torture, imprisonment, and death so that he could spread the gospel to a Roman world. So this is crucial. You see, Paul is telling us that Christianity is not just a religion consisting of some nice ideas and slogans. No, no, Christianity is a relationship made possible through the resurrection of God's own son. And Paul is also telling us that if Jesus didn't rise again, Christianity is a sham. But... If Jesus did rise again, Christianity is the greatest hope for you and for the world. And this brings us to the second part of those verses I just shared with you. Christ's question. Do you believe this? Do you? Over the past 2,000 years, some have answered yes and others have answered no. But here's the thing. How about you? How have you responded to that question? Now, perhaps for you, you might say, well, I haven't really responded to that question. My question's a little bit different. Why would I believe this? Why would I believe this? And I think that's a good question. In fact, if you got that question, you pretty much have a lot in common with some of Christ's own disciples. Because when they were running to the tomb, they merely wanted to know where his body had been moved. They didn't yet believe that he had risen. And even after Christ rose and just before he ascended, some of his own followers who were standing right there in front of them, the Bible says, still were doubting. In fact, doubt goes so deep for some people today that they even wonder if Jesus ever lived in the first place. And yet history is very clear. Flavius Josephus was a Jewish historian. He was born in Jerusalem like four years after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Not a Christian by any stretch of the imagination, but he was an historian who wrote of, of everything. And, and because of his proximity to Jesus Christ in time and place, his writings tell us so much about the cultural background of the New Testament era. And here is what he wrote about Jesus, just some of his words. He said, at this time, there was a wise man called Jesus, and his conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous. Many people among the Jews and the other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. But those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion and that he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah concerning whom the prophets have reported wonders. And the tribe of Christians so named after him has not disappeared to this day. Now, Think about this, Christ's followers, they didn't disappear then and they've been spreading ever since. In fact, you can find Christ's followers virtually all over the world now. And that's why as we celebrate here today, we celebrate with those who know this because God made him 
Jesus Christ, who had no sin, to be sin for us, he went to the cross for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, which means we might become sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so I ask you, do you believe this? Do you believe this? As I said earlier, you know, some people say, well, why would I believe this? Well, I think for several reasons, but do you remember what Paul said about the idea that if Christ hadn't been raised, our, our faith is futile? Well, just before that, he wrote some other words that, that are really powerful, and I want us to think about those. He wrote, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, and because they were, they could have said, no, this isn't the truth. I mean, you can't find any record of that. So they're still living, though some have fallen asleep. So Paul tells us that Jesus first appeared to Peter, then, of course, the 12, and then 500 other witnesses who had the chance to see him and talk with Jesus. And that's crucial because in a modern court case today, as we know, you only need one or two witnesses really to convince a jury of the truth. And in these four verses alone, we learn of over 512 eyewitnesses. And it's in light of this that Jesus still asks today, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Well, some have read Paul's words and they, they believed and still others have said, you know what? I hear what you're saying. I mean, that's a lot of witnesses, but you know what? Those witnesses eventually became part of the Christian movement, so maybe they had an agenda that wasn't, you know, kind of rooted in the truth. And I, I really respect that, that somebody might be thinking that, especially in light of what we all have experienced over the past two years throughout this pandemic. I mean, if we're honest, we all have seen times when many agendas once proclaimed to be true turned out not to be true at all. So we need to be careful. N.T. Wright, a scholar and historian, responded to such questions in this way. He said, we must ask, why and how did the early disciples, shattered as they had been by the crucifixion of their master, regroup and go out and face persecution for declaring that in him the hope of Israel had quite literally come to life? Why did they organize themselves and act in the way that they did? And why did they begin very early on to worship Jesus? The answer is found in their belief that Jesus had been raised from the dead. In fact, their belief about this went way down deep, way down deep. In fact, so deep that it cost many of them their own lives for declaring that Jesus is alive. Friends, based on the best historical evidence that we have, his followers suffered immensely for declaring this truth for example, Andrew was crucified in Patras, Greece. Bartholomew was flayed to death with a whip in Armenia. James the Just was thrown from the temple and then beaten to death. John died in exile on the island of Patmos. James the Greater was beheaded in Jerusalem. Luke was hanged in Greece. Mark was dragged to death by a horse in Alexandria, Egypt. And Matthew was killed by a sword in Ethiopia. Matthias was stoned and then beheaded in Jerusalem. And Peter was crucified upside down because he did not believe he was worthy to be crucified as Jesus had experienced. So he was crucified upside down in Rome. Philip was crucified in Frisia. And Thomas 
was stabbed to death with a spear in India. And those followers of Christ, most who are eyewitnesses to Christ's resurrection, face the end of their lives declaring that Jesus is alive. And here's some other things we know from history. While they were all separated from each other in different parts of the Middle East and in Rome, none of them renounced their faith or the belief that Jesus had risen. And friends, people don't die for a lie. They don't die for a lie. And yet some are willing to die for the truth if they really believe it. And this claim was so important to them, so essential to them that they embraced it to the very end of them. And just think about this. Because of them, Christianity grew from just 12 disciples to over 33 million believers in just 350 years. By AD 400, more than half of the entire population of the Roman Empire were Christians. And it was Rome that put Jesus on the cross. It's amazing. And what about the other half? The 50% of Romans who chose not to believe in Jesus? Well, historically, they were humiliated by the very ones who served others in Christ's name. And we know this because the Roman Emperor Julian, who reigned during the fourth century, was so embarrassed by the fact that Christians were out serving his own people that he wrote, Christianity has been specially advanced through the loving service rendered to strangers and through their care for the burial of the dead. It is a scandal that there is not a single Jew who is a beggar and that the godless Galileans care not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. While those who belong to us look in vain for the help that we should render them. And why did this Roman emperor refer to Christians as being godless? I'll tell you why. Because they refused to bow down to the many gods esteemed by the Roman Empire. They made it known that they served Jesus and Jesus only. And as a result, they served others. You see, true Christianity cares not only for one's soul, but also for the person and the needs that they have in the moment. And that's why even today, a recent Barna study revealed that Christians outpace all U.S. adults in actions aimed at helping the poor, both in the United States and abroad. And this includes bringing food to a family in need, directly donating goods other than money to people who are financially poor, and volunteering to help just, just about anybody. Anyone in need, anyone who is alone, anyone who is hurting. So Jesus still asks you today, do you believe this? Do you? Over the past 2,000 years, many have believed. And yet others have chosen to treat Christianity like, you know, put it within the confines of being moderately important. Do you? Do you? In the face of all the theories and statements made about Jesus regarding who he is and, and why he came... Jesus, he made it clear why he came. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you? Do you have life and do you have it to the full? Or do you just have a life that you're trying to make other people think is somehow successful? See, the good news is that Jesus came to deal with the core problems within each and every one of us. And it's the very thing, friends, that impedes our ability to achieve any kind of long-term comeback story on our own. The Bible clearly calls this thing that impairs all of us sin. And so in order to deal with the heart of the matter, let's take a look at what Paul wrote again. He said, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, 
that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You see, this is the heart of the gospel that Jesus came to bring. And our response to it is the only way we're gonna experience that eternal life. Paul says the gospel declares that we have a sin problem that only Jesus can eradicate. You see, the world out there, the culture out there struggles with such a statement because they don't even think sin exists any longer. We don't talk about sin. No one you know, writes about sin. It's like it just kind of vanished. And in light of that, I would just say, have you seen the news lately? What do you call what Russia is doing? And what have we seen over the past two years throughout this pandemic, how people did not treat each other well? What might, what might you call that? Friends, sin is a reality. But the good news is Jesus paid for our sins through his death and his burial, and that Jesus conquered our sins through his resurrection on the third day. And Paul says that all those who believe this gospel, who repent and follow and believe, will receive God's gift of eternal life. So Jesus asks you today, do you believe this? And if you would say, well, I believe it, let me ask you this. How is it changing your life? And if you believe this gospel, how is that impacting others around you? Are you serving? Are you helping? Are you showing Jesus through your words and through your actions? And then if you would say, I don't know. You know, I I guess if I'm honest, I've been treating Jesus like he's moderately important. I want to give you the opportunity right now to make him all important in your life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So we'd all just bow your heads right now. And if this applies to you saying, you know what? I really have never really responded to Jesus. Know about him, know about the cross, the resurrection, the whole thing. I'm not a follower though. Maybe you might say a prayer like this between your heart and God's just silently. It might look something like this. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you for taking my sins upon your shoulders. And Jesus, I believe in you. I believe what you said. I believe what you did. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe. So Jesus, please forgive me. Forgive my sin. Forgive my stubbornness. Forgive my pride. I lay it all down to you now. I want to follow you. I want to be forgiven and free. I want to mark this Easter Sunday morning as the day that I became a child of God, free and forgiven. So Jesus, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're doing in my life right now in this moment. And I thank you for what you're going to do in and through my life as I follow you and represent you to others. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. 
Thank you for loving me. Amen. See, friends, Jesus is our living hope. He's our living hope. Where would we be without him? That's what today is all about. And so in light of that, I encourage you now just to stand with me and let's proclaim him to be central in our lives. Not just moderately important, but central in our lives. That because of him, he is our living hope. And we have hope for today, hope for tomorrow, hope for all time because of him. Let's sing it.
out of the silence. The roaring lion declares the grave has no claim on me. Come on, it's true today. Then came the struggling at all today and trying to work through something still have questions we have prayer partners that will be down here afterwards they'd love to pray with you and meet you and answer any questions that you might have but before you go I want you to think about what's out there out there in our culture there's a lot of confusion there's a lot of anger there are a million opinions but there is not hope Jesus Christ is the living hope. So as you go, proclaim him wherever you go. Wear his name, speak his name, live his name so that others will see Jesus in you and want to follow him as well. So the glory of God the Father. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.